Welcome everybody to What's the Problem, the show that explores problems that buyers, practitioners, business folks, and vendors, just really anybody in the world of cybersecurity faces today. Today, we are fortunate to have Aaron Rosenmund joining us. Aaron, wave hello to our listeners, even though they can't see you. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely over here waving. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me. I can hear the air whooshing on your microphone. It's perfect. <laughs> uh, so let's, let's get right into it like we do in all the shows. Aaron, question number one, tell our listeners why you are qualified to discuss security. Yeah, I think, I think qualified is a really interesting answer to use, especially with some of the stuff we're going to talk about. But uh, my, my current role, I'm the director of security research and curriculum at Pluralsight. Uh, kind of got into a bunch of education, but also more advanced education and then doing research and new evolving spaces to be able to provide that to enterprise companies. So uh, that's my current role. I'm also part-time with the Air National Guard. I've been doing that 10 years and the whole time I've been doing uh, cybersecurity with uh, in the offensive and defensive spaces, as well as building out uh, secure networks and stuff like that. And been doing that for quite some time been in and out of doing a lot of consulting with really large firms and small firms and state local tribal uh, and and really been able to get a very broad spectrum of feedback from a lot of different industries on the different problems that they're working on and how to solve them. Awesome. I love it. And Aaron, before you go any further, just wanted to say thank you for your service with Air National Guard. We appreciate uh, any type of military service, whether it's active duty, um, you know, part-time, whatever. We, we've got a lot of folks on the show who come with one of those backgrounds. So I just wanted to thank you for your service. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. My pleasure. All right. I know there's a lot of problems out there and you actually mentioned, you know, public, private, you're talking about military, uh, tribal, you know, uh, you're talking about a, a lot of things, a lot of problems can exist, but let's just name one problem today that you want to talk about with our listeners? What's the name of problem in the world of cybersecurity that's on your mind? Yeah, the, the biggest problem, or, or you know, not the biggest problem, but a problem that's on my mind and something that came up to me immediately with this question is the issue of uh, the skills gap, but a bit more um, kind of decisive about what the skills gap issue is and that with cybersecurity and the skills required to be efficient at cybersecurity, evolving so quickly at the same pace as that technology evolves. We have an issue with kind of tenured-based roles and, and uh, as you move up through management and into senior roles, uh, there being enough people with enough experience with uh, the techniques and, and just the industry in general as it's boomed uh, to be able to fill all these roles. And so when we talk about cybersecurity gap, one interesting thing, everyone's worried about how do I get into cybersecurity? And that's absolutely a need uh, and things we need to support people on. But then it's also, we just have this massive gap because of the rate of expansion um, in the intermediate to senior, senior roles as well. And that's where we uh, see a lot of problems with, you know, just basic things being repetitive issues for how people are breached. For instance, whether it be phishing emails or valid password attacks or just open uh, ports to the internet that shouldn't be open. That's just because there's not enough people with enough experience to go around. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned uh, open ports. Uh, we actually had a, a guest on the show a few weeks ago who was talking about open ports. So it's it's definitely top of mind. And, you know, when we talk about some of these examples that you gave, you know, open ports or something else, or, you know, not the right experience at the managerial level, you know, what have you, you know, what, what 
corporations come to mind that have actually been breached recently? Oh, man. Uh, you know, Colonial Pipeline is a really good example, I think, and something that everyone at least knows about. So um, maybe not particularly super recent, but at least something that uh, is something that is really broadly, there's a lot of awareness about it. SolarWinds is another issue, and I think it's another one that we can talk about um, because it's a supply chain attack, a software supply chain attack. We can describe what that is, but it's, it's such an advanced attack that it really, really highlighted um, the skills required to respond to such an advanced type of breach and, and the gap that, that was there. Um, whereas Colonial Pipeline was more of a great example of a industry that is not probably doesn't consider themselves a technology industry and is, it would struggle to find people who are going to come over to that kind of um, uh, uh, IT environment and have the right skills investment in cybersecurity to be able to kind of remove some of these really simple things that that cause this issue, right? So for using valid credentials, you, know, you can identify when people log in from the wrong place, but it requires kind of a pretty developed, mature um, security team to do so. But if you haven't traditionally invested in that area, or even if you decide to start investing in the area, it takes quite some time to build. And again, they're going to find people who are like, we just don't have the people to be able to properly respond or, or build this. I'm going to play the pessimist for now. I've got an optimist question for later, but I'm going to play the pessimist for now. So there's this shortage of people and qualified people. But I mean, Aaron, what do you even talk about qualified? It's, it's not like this is the CPA exam where we're talking about, uh, you know, the Florentines creating double entry uh, accounting back in the 14th century. So like, if, if people aren't qualified, does that mean, first of all, what do we even mean by qualified? Like who's qualifying them for this, the right skills? And number two, does that mean that some people are maybe getting promoted into roles in which um, they're, I won't use the word qualified again, but maybe they're in over their heads? Absolutely. I, th I think most people would probably argue that most of us are in over our heads in general, but speaking to specifically your CPA example, that's an excellent example. Accounting, you know, kind of the dual ledger systems existed for a very long time. And so when you go to get an accountant, you have a CPA who's passed the CPA exam and has been licensed to practice accounting. Uh, same with like a, a lawyer with passing the bar or a doctor being um, given a doctorate and licensed to practice. It's a very similar situation in that you can trust because there's, there's a um, kind of unified uh, method of developing trust that someone actually is qualified to do what they say they can do, or at least what you're asking them to do. There's not such a system in cybersecurity, but I would argue that the amount of information or knowledge required is equally as large as a doctorate or a lawyer uh, to, to be efficient and to be able to be someone who can uh, be trusted to ensure that what you're being asked to do is actually being done. Now, there's a number of certifications that you can get, but they're all by these private bodies. And there's no kind of single certification that anyone would say, oh, if they have this certification, I know that they can do this job at a certain level of proficiency. Uh, that's not a, there's not an industry standard for that yet. And so it's a bit controversial, but you know, I would argue that, that that's kind of what we need. We need something that says, hey, if this person says they've done cybersecurity, and there's all kinds of cybersecurity, right? So it could have been that they reviewed uh, RMF or risk management framework and checked boxes of whether they felt um, like a given system met given requirements. And requirements can be simple as, does it have a directory system for, for authentication? Like, yeah, that's actually directory, it has that, right? 
I mean, you can get pretty senior in that role and that's a very required role, but it's only one specialized uh, space within cybersecurity. But when you get really senior in that role, people then say, hey, you can do uh, you know, this risk and compliance stuff. You're probably also a senior person just in security in general. So we're going to put you over a security operations center or something like that. And that's the more technical roles like incident mm -hmm. response and security analyst and threat hunting. And you're not necessarily really qualified to be able to, to handle that because you haven't ever worked at that technical level, right? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I just want to keep saying the word Florentine because it's fun. So we're going to use this <laughs> Florentine accounting example. Um, and we're, we're going to draw a correlation there. It's, it's kind of like saying, um, you are the best bookkeeper that we've ever seen. And so we're going to make you the CFO of the whole company. Um, but a CFO role, you know, like in your example of overseeing, you know, a security operations center is so much different than just bookkeeping and, you know, doing basic, you know, general accounting and payables and receivables and stuff. It's, it's when you become a CFO, actually you start looking at how you can grow the business, right? You're not a marketing person, you're not a salesperson, but it is your job to look at deals, to look at deal flow, to evaluate those opportunities. And, you know, actually like entering, you know, code into a, a, a command line interface, not really something that, uh, that you're going to do anymore. Um, and so it, it seems that it's, it's kind of, uh, similar to that example of just like your, your responsibilities are going to change in a really huge way. Yeah, absolutely. And there's just, there's a lot of, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so you, you've seen saying things from your perspective, but because, you know, it's potential that for a lot of senior roles that that industry didn't even exist or, or at least, you know, like a, a SOC is, or a security operations center is not necessarily a term that people would have known what it was 10 years ago or 15 years ago, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so when we talk about that, like that didn't even exist as, as you, when you were in a technical role and now it's really difficult to understand exactly what that function is, uh, and, and how, um, not just the things that, that what current attacks are like, like, of course you can trust your people and all that kind of stuff, but even moving into a senior analyst role, like you're not prepared to go be a senior analyst and catch things. Cause you're just not, uh, really aware of what that, that threat surface looks like. Hmm. So adult learning theory teaches us that adults hear things like the ones that we're saying, and they immediately, not immediately, but almost immediately get to, okay, so what am I supposed to do with this information? Um, yeah. You know, as much as we try to uh, retain our childlike curiosity of that cloud looks like a dinosaur and I'm okay with that, just that's okay. I don't need to think about how the cloud's forming and maybe it's going to be a rain cloud and, oh shoot, is, you know, our barbecue grill out or, you know, like. Adults think too much. Kids are just like, it's a, it's a dinosaur. It's beautiful. Um, so let's take it since most everyone here is an adult listening to the show. Let's take it to, so what do I do about this? Is it a, like a, a public private partnership to create some sort of, you know, international or, or at least at the national level here in the United States, some sort of things yeah. that you are just required to know, like, you know, accounting has gap accounting you know, generally accepted accounting principles, gap accounting, like, right. do you think it's a public private partnership? Is it all in the public sector to figure this out? All the private sector? Like what's, what is your gut telling you? Yeah, I think uh, kind of first wag, there's, there's a lot of uh, initiatives that are trying to approach something like this, 
but because it's such a, a difficult thing to to get a grasp on like anything that moves kind of too slow has a hard time uh gaining traction right so i i i think it's exactly what you said a, a public private partnership where we can de develop some sort of um you know nonprofit independent uh capability to provide a licensure mechanism for different kinds of roles and and i do realize that there still is a skills gap and you know we don't have enough employees in general so i don't want that to discourage people from learning either but my i think my main point is let's get the professionals who are at an expert level in their given areas let's let let's all agree what that actually looks like put them in a position of licensure where we say Hey, you need to have, you know, at least one licensed person in this role. Like that's how it has to be, but not everybody in your entire organization needs to be licensed. You just need to have someone who does know what they're talking about. Um, and I don't know what that scale would look like. If you're a larger company, you need five or four or whatever it is. Um, but then underneath you, uh, even something really similar to, uh, you know, the journeyman like trade skill system where you're, you're working to, uh, to, to gain that licensure capability. So you can now go fill that role um in, in another organization or in the organization that you're in i think if we can develop into that system where we do have uh that kind of um you know beyond an internship i can't think of the word i'm looking for here of the trade skill program uh that allows you to work towards that but under the supervision so to speak and guidance of you know a licensed um a licensed individual or a licensed expert from a licensed organization that we agree on nationally. Yeah, the word that comes to mind is like an apprenticeship program, like you're a true apprentice and we can go back to 13th century Florence because I want to go there. And, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like the, the blacksmith, right? Like the Smith always had a couple guys working under him, you know, younger right. in age, you know, had probably didn't hang their own shingle yet because they were younger and they're still learning the trade, but, you know, they were learning the business side of, you know, what do we charge for this kind of stuff? How long does it take to produce this, you know, five swords for the Medici family? How long is it going to take five swords? Um, you know, where, how do we do deliveries? How do we, how do we do accounting? You know, how do we secure our shops so people don't come in and just take our five beautiful swords that we're supposed to deliver to the Medici's tomorrow? Um, and then obviously the, the most obvious is how do we make the swords? <laughs> you know, how do we <laughs> yeah. make the handles? How do we assemble yeah. them? You know, how do we, yeah. how do we show this craftsman, craftsmanship? Um, we're not, we're not just handing over sharpened steel. It's like, you know, if I'm, I'm a blacksmith, I'm, I'm producing something that should last the balance of time for the owner. Um, and so it, it kind of reminds me of an apprenticeship there. Absolutely. Apprenticeship is the exact word I was looking for. Thank you for that, Mike. Um, and then when you went to, to, when you said Medici family, I'm now thinking of an apprenticeship like under Da Vinci <laughs> working because I watched that show on stars and thought it was great. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's, well, last comment about uh, Renaissance art. Um, there actually were a lot of apprentices to sculptors. Sculptors is the easy one. Um, because they used to like, you know, Michelangelo's David, which is in Florence still, um, uh, is, was actually rubbed down by straw. And Michelangelo didn't sit there for 30 days after he finished it and rub it down with, uh, you know, handfuls of straw. Yeah. But his apprentices did, right? Those, those are the people that, you know, helped him bring, you know, the stone in and, you know, evaluate different stone. And when he was out, you know, they would, they kind of made the first cuts when, 
you know, David hadn't, hadn't been sculpted yet, but it was like, well, we need to take off the corners. Like any apprentice can take off the corners, just take them off, <laughs> you know, right. They need to, they need to go. And so it's those little pieces of seeing the project all the way through, like from the moment that stone left the quarry, the apprentices, apprentices were involved with Michelangelo all the way down to David exists, but this rock is really scratchy, um, which is a first world problem. It's like this beautiful sculpture is scratchy. <laughs> uh, yeah. let, let's just yeah. rub straw on it for a couple months and then it'll be soft and then it'll be great. Uh, but that's, that's literally what they did. Like from start to finish, they were, that apprentice was involved in the process. That's an excellent example too. And I hope, I think it, it fits me being able to say, um, one big thing I do want to say is I don't want this to come across as like gatekeeping for anyone getting into the industry or even transitioning from one industry to another. Education is always key. Uh, we can accomplish uh, anything we want through education, but I think I think we all agree that education is key to our future and development in general, not just in technology. Uh, but if anything, some sort of structure like this would enable, like you said, there's people who, hey, I really want to get into cybersecurity. Well, you know, come run the the metaphorical straw and the sculpture, um, and that's okay because that's your skill set, and you're going to be able to come learn this. We're not, you know, we have slots that are available for that because that's the system that's been put in place to develop you. Absolutely. Okay, back to um, back to reality, back to the present. We've left 13th century Florence, unfortunately. Aaron, let's take this to the final question of the show. Tell us and tell the listeners about a terrible haircut you've had at one point in your life. <laughs> yeah, just just a quick shift there, right? So, yeah, um, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is actually I, I was a kid, of course. Um, you know, I guess maybe thankfully in some cases, uh, but you know, when I was growing up, occasionally I'd go to get a haircut at the you know the local local supercuts or whatever it was. Uh, but sometimes my dad would get a wild hair and decide he wanted to cut my hair and he could do it because he, he shaved his own hair. But to be fair, he was, you know, significantly balded at like 30. So he <laughs> him shaving his own hair was buzzed it all the way down. Right. And that was a perfectly good haircut um, for me. Not so much. And so he attempted to try to do better and do like a fade. But instead, it just ended up with like a really hard line all the way around my head. <laughs> that, that Okay. Yeah, it looked like a bowl cut, except like like a buzz cut version of a bowl cut, right? Um, and so that that was probably the most embarrassing one that I, I couldn't wait to for that thing to grow out and get fixed and, and had to live with that shame for a bit at school. <laughs> well, Aaron, I appreciate you being vulnerable with our listeners. Um, I'm sure they're all chuckling like I am right now. We've, we've all had those haircuts as a kid. It, it happened, man. It's, it's just it's just part of growing up. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a rite of passage, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, Aaron. Well, thank you so much for spending time with our listeners today. And to our listeners, thank you for listening to What's the Problem? The show that explores cybersecurity problems that vendors, practitioners, business folks, operators, and purchasers, you know, people who actually buy cybersecurity products or solutions face in today's world. We'll hear you next time. Thanks, Mike.